listening to another episode of the Just Go Bike Podcast, aka Murph here, and this is the podcast where we talk about cycling just for the fun of it. With tales from all across the nation, come for the bikes, stay for the fun, and leave with a smile. So for the last five or so years, you may recall seeing the Milkweed Matters booths on Ragbri. They make seed balls made of dirt, clay, and of course seeds, and hand them out to cyclists who then toss them into appropriate places along the route. Well, this week I caught up with founder and chair of the board, Kelly, to talk about how Milkweed Matters came to be and what exactly they do for pollinators. Well, on the show this week, we have Kelly from Milkweed Matters. Hi, Kelly. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Good. So Kelly is the founder and chair of the board for Milkweed Matters. And for anybody who is out and about outside, especially on bike trails, you may know what milkweed is. And if you've been part of Ragbri in the past, you've probably seen the Milkweed Matters gang uh, handing out seed balls. And I can tell you right now, Kelly, I still have my little fabric bag with your logo <laughs> on it um, that I used every day on my bike. I would find your booth and I would load up with the seed pods or seed balls. And yeah. then uh, we'll get into what happens. But you know, you'd Throw them, throw them out along the trail with hopes that they would uh, turn into beautiful plants for butterflies. That's wonderful. I'm glad the bag has survived all these years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and hopefully, you know, Ragbri exists again in the future um, as we know it so that I can do it again. Right. Yeah. Well, why don't we start out by um, giving us a little bit of history on how Milkweed Matters came to be. Sure. Yeah. So we're, we've been going now for about seven years, uh, which is wild to think about. Um, but in uh, 2014, um, so I, I'm not originally from the Midwest. I'm oh, okay. uh, from Southeast Louisiana mm-hmm. and, but had moved to Iowa um, for work and, you know, just didn't know anything about, about the state or the landscape. Um, and, you know, thought, well, how am I, what can I do? What can I be involved in to, to really immerse myself in these communities, which seemed so wonderful mm-hmm. uh, from the start. And so, you know, pretty immediately heard about Ragbri. Um, and I, you know, to be honest, I wasn't a big biker before uh, going on Ragbri. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more like, well, here's just this fascinating, you know, sociological study of of (laughs) thousands of people, um, you know, doing a a collective effort. Um, so I signed up, uh, so that was, that was 2014 and I recruited my friend and roommate at the time to, to ride with me. And we're, we're both, you know, just kind of hobbyist on the side, really into nature and, Mm -hmm. you know, going on hikes and camping and whatnot. And so we wanted to, do something else while we rode we you know we brainstormed all these these ideas of like raising money while we rode or you know getting our family to contribute a dollar for each mile or whatever you know all kinds of different things and we landed on this whole Johnny Appleseed idea since kind of being in Iowa I had learned all about the tall grass prairie system you know it was new to me mm-hmm. and was just fascinated by the subtle beauty of prairies and and how they require fire and just everything about them was was fascinating to me and so kind of along those lines I 
you know, the monarch butterfly was sort of just getting in the news. Um, and, you know, 2013, 14 was when the monarch butterfly population just declined by, I mean, a ridiculous amount. And so all the newspapers were, you know, were covering this decline mm-hmm. of that population. And so there was this clear need for here's like a really, you know, a species that everybody knows about or that they're hearing about these days. And so maybe we can, there's a way we can plant some seeds for the, for the monarchs. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, you know, important to know is that milkweed is the sole host plant for the monarch butterfly. Mm-hmm. What can we do while we ride um, to help this particular butterfly? Well, let's, let's toss some milkweed seed um, just as we ride into the roadsides. So that's long-winded kind of backstory to say mm-hmm. in 2014, we just, the two of us kind of, you know, we made it a whole thing. We, we brought a bunch of um, loose butterfly milkweed seed, which is the short orange uh, bloom milkweed mm-hmm. that folks will recognize. And we made some wings that we wore. We had some t-shirts that we you know, did some puff paint on and (laughs) it was like real grassroots and just, you know, out of our living room uh, kind of effort. But that year it was just so amazing how many people were interested in like, Mm -hmm. Hey, what are you doing? What are you tossing into the roadside? Is that trash? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what, tell us about the wings. Um, And so just immediately we, we saw, huh, we've got something here. You know, there's a need and there's interest. And Uh, I I will definitely say, uh, I don't know if it was that first year that you guys did this, but being on Ragbri and hearing about milkweed and the seed pods and the fact that monarchs depend on it, that's when I found that out was during Ragbri. And I came back, you know, after Ragbri, and I'm like, is this really true? Like, how can a butterfly really just need one specific plant leaf to like, really? And I did, I researched it and then realized, oh, my gosh, you know, times have changed, we need to do something. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much, you know, that that we forget from like, second grade biology or, or, you know, whenever you, you learn about those, those basic connections in nature. Um, I mean, many species and especially many butterflies and bees have this really special connection and requirement for a particular plant. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so with the monarch, they, the female adult lays all her thousands and thousands of eggs on milkweed leaves only you know, during her lifetime, she's only looking for that one plant. That said, there are, there's a, you know, really important need for other nectar plants, Mm -hmm. you know, so they feed on all kinds of plants, you know, all kinds of flowers with different sources of nectar. But as far as the breeding process, laying all the eggs, that is only done on milkweed. Mm -hmm. And I did learn after that first ragbri what a milkweed plant looks like. And I was on a bike ride with some other friends and I'm like, I just, I don't think they, there are any milkweed plants along this bike trail. And it was in the Des Moines area and I had a friend who knows what they look like. And so once we found one, then I realized they were everywhere. So I don't know (laughs) if that is, 
you know, from people planting or if they just grow naturally or how, how that all works. But it was it was mind blowing that they existed and I just didn't know what they look like. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's a major objective of Milkweed Matters is just increasing that awareness Mm -hmm. of like what is what exists in Iowa and elsewhere. And as you're saying, what what is missing um, from from those really key, you know, pieces of land. Right. So when you look specifically into um, the entity called Milkweed Matters, what exactly does your group do? Yeah, so all the work is started way before the rag bri ride or the bike ride, you know, whatever ride we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we hold seed ball rolling events. Let's let's focus on Iowa since we're since we're chatting about rag bri. So the work of Milkweed Matters uh, actually starts way before the actual bike ride, mm-hmm. where we we toss these these seeds into the roadside. Um, In Iowa specifically, we have educational seed ball rolling events uh, in local communities all over the state. Mm -hmm. And those are with all kinds of audiences, Um, all ages. You know, we we've we would have uh, seed ball rolling events with elementary schools um, or scout troops, uh, church groups. We've done some corporate events. Um, even, uh, had some volunteers go to the Anamosa, uh, Mm -hmm. prison. Oh, wow. And those, you know, apparently that was just such a successful event. We've partnered with Meskwaki tribe, um, lots of city based schools and different organizations to kind of, you know, reach youth that live in, in urban areas, Mm -hmm. um, and don't, you know, might not otherwise have lots of natural interactions um you know at these events we bring buckets of a mix of clay and soil um that you know we just dig from the ground and ideally like areas close to where the event is being held so we'll bring all this mud and some seeds Mm -hmm. and after we have a little chat about here's what the monarch's about here's what milkweed is about here's a little bit about these population declines here's why you know pollinators are struggling but hey here's something very easy and quick you can do right Mm -hmm. now to help and so after that little brief you know education we all get our hands dirty and we we show everybody how to roll these seed balls and so you know it's just you literally take a little clump of, of the clay and soil roll it together in a little ball, maybe um, cherry tomato size, and then, you know, poke a little hole where you're going to put around four or so seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, you roll it back up so it's enclosed, and then we set them to the side to dry. Nice. I attended one of these uh, oh, awesome. seed, seed ball making uh, events. It was at like a public library in a real small town. And I went yeah. with my uh, local bike club and we had a blast. And <laughs> these particular seed pods ended up having uh, multiple seeds for multiple different flowers, yeah. uh, including milkweed. We got to take home little bags full and, you know, throw, yeah. them, throw them in appropriate places and um, I have not checked to see if my little seeds turned into anything, but gosh, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, well, that's awesome. I'm glad. It, it's really 
I don't know, exciting when someone participates in kind of the whole range of activities that we do, you know, rolls some seed balls and then rides on the ride and sees, you know, the excitement of tossing them into the the roadside. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's great. Yeah. Well, is your, like, is the actual mission of your group, is it specifically to grow milkweed or is it specifically to help butterflies or is it all connected into one? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, officially the mission is to increase pollinator habitat in roadsides. Mm, Um, So, you know, over the years we expand, we sort of, you know, quickly recognized the need to support and emphasize all pollinators Mm -hmm. and all of the habitat that they require. Um, Just, you know, there are many organizations that have kind of the, you know, their, their champion, their icon species as the monarch, because it's, it's the one that people know about and Mm -hmm. they recognize and draws them in. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you can easily, you know, make so many other connections to other pollinators. Uh, There are plenty of other butterflies in Iowa, even that are more, that are struggling more, Mm. um, that have even less habitat than the monarch. And, you know, that in some ways are better pollinators, Um, (laughs) you know, so that, so the monarch is is sort of this this flagship species that brings people in. It's it's you know the the gateway pollinator, sure. <laughs> if you will. <laughs> so yeah, so you know when we can, when seeds are available for other native plants, um, those are great to to grow in roadsides mm-hmm. and and in gardens and whatnot. And they're mm-hmm. going to benefit many many species. And do you, you know, you mentioned you're from Louisiana, or at least you live there, and you're now in Iowa. Do you have more than one location of where your organization works or operates out of? Yeah. So, um, well, so actually, I've, uh, in the past year or so, I've, I've moved back to Louisiana. Oh, okay. But, but the, we've got a really strong leadership team in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, historically and, and primarily, definitely based in Iowa, um, you know, really because RAGBRAI and just the industry standard for like large scale bike rides, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they've written the rule book on how to make it work. Right. Um, <laughs> and so, so, um, you know, that's definitely the start and definitely kind of the biggest audience. Um, that said, we've got some really key volunteers that live uh, on the western side of Iowa and so have held many, many events in uh, right over on the Nebraska border. Um, so we've kind of engaged Nebraska folks in, in these conversations, mm-hmm. and there's very similar conservation issues going on there. I also lived in uh, Madison, Wisconsin for a year and a half or so, and while I was there, made made lots of connections there. And uh, we've got a small group of volunteers in Green Lake, Wisconsin, that they have a, a bike ride around Green Lake, they made some seed balls and tossed them. And that, so that was sort of our first Wisconsin event. Um, still trying to figure out how to, how to expand it here in the South. Um, there are, there are different issues and considerations and pollinators, which, which are of interest. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, and when Milkweed Matters as an organization continues to expand the, you know, the focus issue, the, the focus species might, might shift mm-hmm. um, depending on what's there and what the needs are. Sure. 
Well, um, most of the people listening are cyclists, and so I want to make the connection with cyclists. Um, you know, you said how you create these seed balls, and then um, cyclists are supposed to throw them while they're cycling. Like, give us an idea of how that works as far as connecting cyclists to your organization. Yeah, well, I, I think that's the magic of mm. of the organization is, you know, we're we're bridging these worlds with nature enthusiasts, you know, people that care about pollinators, um, Mm -hmm. conservationists with bike riders of all kinds. Um, you know, and, and sometimes those two worlds overlap, um, but often they, they might not depending on what kind of cyclists they are or what kind of, you know, who knows, but so we're, you know, we're bringing together these, these two sometimes disparate, um, worlds Mm -hmm. and, you know, I love biking um, because it is a, a way for me to slow down and really, you know, especially when I'm on, I like to do long distance rides and, you know, where I can at some point along the ride, like not focus so much on the challenge of the biking itself, but to- sort of like zone out and, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, and and be a little more present and mindful with like my surroundings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I absolutely experienced that riding through fields and the crops of Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, you know, here in Louisiana, I ride on the Mississippi river levee trail in, in both situations. It's, you know, I'm, I'm just riding and my eye naturally goes to the ground, right to the left of me or to the right of me, Mm -hmm. you know, not necessarily to like the wide expanse of, you know, the horizon, but I start to notice, as you said, you know, Oh, right there, there's a milkweed plant. Mm -hmm. I recognize it now. I see it. And then you start to see it everywhere. (laughs) Or, you know, if you go, if you do the same route over and over, you start to see the bird nest that, that appears in the spring or, you know, you, you start to really know this land that's right next to the road. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, like like biking allows for that that awareness of of the environment. And so, you know, you start to notice then when there's a lot of trash or sure. when, you know, there's there were just beautiful blooming native flowers. And then the next time you go ride that same route, it's all mowed down mm-hmm. um, or, you know, it's brown and crusty from being sprayed mm-hmm. um, with a pesticide or whatever, you know, and so it sort of facilitates this care for the route and, and makes those connections. And I think that uh, totally is a good segue into my next question, because, um, okay, we talked about how, you know, people can make seed balls, you know, go to an event, and they have them, but now figuring out where to throw them or where not to throw them because of exactly what you just said. Like if if a field's being mowed, if the side of the trail's being sprayed with chemical, um, obviously, if there's a farm field, you don't want to be throwing milkweed into a farm field because they're focused on crops. So so how does that work? It can, you know, it's easy on one hand and on the other hand, it, it can be complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what we tell people during Radbri, um, during those routes are to look for spots that are uh, not sprayed or mowed. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've got 
pictures and, and some educational things in the at the booths uh, each day of the ride where you know we, we let people know what to look for um the idea being that if it's not currently sprayed or mowed then maybe you know that spot is is well maintained you know the, sure. the landowner is considerate of these things over some conversations and, and research um, that's put out by by lots of colleagues, um, technically we should be throwing the seed balls where there's not going to be any competition by other plants. Oh, and sure. so, like technically, we should throw them where it's mowed, so that it's only the seed ball mm. that is there, and it's much more likely to sprout. But you know, you get into this sort of catch-22 of, well, if we throw it there and they just are always mowing, then that plant, even if, if it comes up, it won't survive. Right. So there's not really an ideal solution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the best that we can do uh, is tell riders um, to toss them where they see other native things growing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're sort of among their friends. We know that's a spot where that that soil is good. There's probably not, uh, you know, there's good drainage for native plants to grow. Look, look for the space where their friends are. Mm-hmm. And then what's the cycle after a cyclist throws the seed ball into wherever, you know, they decide to throw it? How long before it becomes a plant? Yeah, well, I, you know, that's also a, a frustrating part for a lot of people because <laughs> sometimes it can take three to four years oh, wow. um, before you can really, you know, see this beautiful prairie that we have in our minds. So the, the benefit of using this medium of the seed ball um, to distribute the seeds is that the clay and soil surrounding the seed, first of all, protects the seed itself mm-hmm. from, you know, a bird eating it or the wind just blowing it, you know, onto the asphalt or whatever, it sort of packages the seed. The weight of the seed ball means you can really lob it to exactly where you want it to fall. Mm-hmm. The seed ball, you know, we toss it in the late summer slash fall, and it's really just going to sit there all during the winter. Mm-hmm. And so many tall grass prairie plants have to go through a process that's called cold, moist stratification. And that just means it's cold and wet, covered by snow for several months. And that process is kind of just prepping the seed so that in the spring, when the snow melts and the clay and soil of the seed ball has disintegrated, the seed itself is just prime to sprout. Excellent. Um, That sprouting, though, first is going to happen below ground. Year one and maybe even year two, most of the growth of that plant is in the roots And you're not going to see much above ground action. And so, you know, a lot of people, even in your personal garden, you might think, well, nothing's working. Mm -hmm. You know, this this seed is a dud. (laughs) But there's so much happening below ground. And so it's not until year two that you'll start to get the the little seedlings above ground. And then if it's, you know, if everything's gone well up until that point, year three or four, you'll get this huge sprout, this uh, shoot is what it's called. Mm -hmm. Um, and then some blooms, and then, you know, it'll spread from there. But yeah, it's it's patience, yeah. you know, the, the whole process is patience. And there's so many factors that 
can go wrong along the way. And <laughs> right. right. So, you know, that, that is why that it's, it's quantity, you know, it, yes, we want quality of seed and, you know, we want the right things in the right spots and we want just so much of it <laughs> right? because there are so many ways that the plants could be um, diseased or mowed or sprayed or so the more we have of it, just the more probability that some of it's going to be healthy mm-hmm. to support these these pollinator cons- uh, populations. Mm-hmm. So then that even makes it more exciting that you are partnered up with RAGBRAI because, you know, a typical day is uh, 10,000 plus cyclists who will cross the state. Can you tell us a little bit about the RAGBRAI Milkweed Matters connection? Like, were you getting a lot of participation and were riders, was it just, I hope it wasn't just me coming to fill up my little canvas bag every day. (laughs) Not at all. Um, Pretty much every year I'm hoarse by the end of the week, Um, you know, talking to thousands and thousands of riders. Um, Just for some numbers here, um, you know, I mentioned that the first year, 2014, we we brought sort of loose seeds. Um, The next year we realized that the loose seeds weren't working. So, you know, introduced this idea of seed balls. Mm -hmm. Seed balls aren't a new, you know, we didn't invent seed balls, kind of was introduced um, widespread by a a Japanese natural farmer Mm. um, called Fukuoka, that's his last name. And um, so, you know, just sort of borrowed that idea. But anyway, we, 2015, we we partnered with this organization called Monarchs in Eastern Iowa. Um, That's just an amazing group of folks on that side of the state that um, care about pollinators and Mm -hmm. and habitat and so we rolled um 2000 seed balls we had one booth that year and ran out of the seed balls by 9 a.m oh my Uh, (laughs) so you know there was a huge interest um the following year we had 24 events across the whole state uh rolled 50,000 seed balls and we had a booth every day of that ride monarchs in eastern iowa was also huge um and helping to implement that year with that success in 2017, we really upped the Annie and our, this was kind of our peak year. We had 80 events across the the state, uh, rolled over 60,000 seed balls. And we again gave out every single one during the ride. Mm. Um, you know, we, we track how many people stopped by each booth and it was, you know, at least 2000 a day. And as you're saying, many come back, folks stop by every single day to refill their bag, you know, and so, and they bring their friends and they tell, you know, word got out, you know, you should stop at this really cool booth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It's really fun. Or, you know, even just sort of a a riding promotion for the booth that, you know, just as people are riding and they're tossing their seed balls, even if a person riding next to them has no idea what we're about, they ask that person, Hey, what'd you just toss? Yeah, for sure. You know? And so then they tell them about the booth and the next day that other person stops and, you know, it's just, we, we kind of created this whole like community of, of people that cared about the roadside habitat, which Mm -hmm. is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And it's such a, like a, a easy connection because most people who, uh, at least people who wear jerseys, those little canvas bags fit perfect in a bicycle yeah. jersey. So, cause it does take a tiny bit of talent to figure out <laughs> how to throw a ball while you're pedaling, 
You know, right. <laughs> I, I'm sure there are people who pull over and then, you know, toss the seed ball exactly where they want it to go. But, you know, I'd mm-hmm. reach back and grab one out of my jersey pocket and just give it a toss when I would see, like you mentioned, you know, an appropriate place to throw it. But mm-hmm. um, I would definitely say if there was anybody around me when I did it, there was always somebody who would ask, like, what are you doing? Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. It was, a, I just think it's such a great connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned uh, you were doing... I think you said 80 events, but so are you Mm -hmm. doing events other than RAGBRAI in years past? Um, Well, so those 80 events, I mean, were uh, the seed ball rolling events across the state prior. So, you know, that it just this really important point that, you know, there's there's so many kind of measures of our success that you could look at that. You know, we're getting this many thousands of seeds on the ground and we're touching this many people, mm-hmm. you know, just thousands of local Iowans and those communities who drive by these roadsides every day or whatever. Um, in addition to all the people that come to RAGBRAI, not from Iowa most mm-hmm. of the time, mm-hmm. you know, so it's it's really engaging all these different kinds of people Um, as well as planting the actual seeds. Mm -hmm. Uh, Listeners will probably be thinking the same thing I'm thinking, but now with the whole age of COVID, that definitely changes things. Um, I'm (laughs) sure everybody knows that, you know, RAGBRAI couldn't happen. Do you you have a sense of the future for Milkweed Matters at this point, or are you still trying to work through it? (sighs) Yeah, I I wish I knew more. Um, Our, you know, we, our leadership team, um, in Iowa and Wisconsin, you know, we met when when the rides were canceled in April or whatever, um, you know, and obviously for, for the safety of everyone involved, um, we just sort of ceased all activity um, for this year. We normally start these community seedball rolling events in, you know, as early as January, February, mm. and we could very well still be in the same situation where we're limiting gatherings. Right you know, and, and your hands are dirty while you're (laughs) in these gatherings. And so that, you know, the ability to like cover a sneeze or something, just, I mean, the whole setup is a little difficult to, to figure out how we can, can, can still operate. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that said, I, I think our, our leadership team is, is just so creative and so passionate about, education and engagement about pollinator habitat Mm -hmm. and so you know i have no doubt that we you know whether or not it's through you know the name of milkweed matters um they've got their own even just side organizations and you know connections we've we've kind of established this network now and this i mean it's just a a common activity with kids or whoever like hey let's roll some seed balls Mm -hmm. um you know, and, and just that idea of seed balls and the idea of thinking about roadsides as habitat um, has really just taken off. I think we've we've set the stage as an organization to kind of spread these ideas, even if, you know, we, we are not, you know, ethically able to move forward. Right. Um, you know, there's still there's still an impact either way. Right. Well, I think now's a good time. If someone listening wants to know more about Milkweed Matters, where can they go to find out more? Yeah, we uh, well, we have a website, um, milkweedmatters.org. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we update it as we can. There's not much to update these days, but uh, 
we we also have a Facebook presence of the same name and uh, an Instagram account. So yeah, I would I would say you know any kind of change in our efforts or you know updates on future events would would go through those uh, platforms. Excellent. Um, I'll I'd love to mention just a, a couple of the other organizations that, you know, our leadership team is involved with. Yeah. Um, so I, I mentioned before the Monarchs in Eastern Iowa organization that their, their largest presence is on a Facebook in a Facebook group. Um, so you can join the group and they've got a blog website mm-hmm. with, with lots of different stuff and they do a lot of outreach events and whatnot. Our Western Iowa lead started started this organization called Monarch Habitat Initiative, mm. and they they actually published a book geared towards kids. That you know we didn't even get into kind of the amazing migration of the of the monarch butterfly, and um, you know that that's not really our mission at um, at Milkweed Matters to to think about the Mexican connection, but mm-hmm. of course all those monarch butterflies overwinter in south central Mexico. And so, you know, myself and others on the leadership team, we've um, visited those reserves down in Mexico. Mm. And there's a lot of, you know, it's a whole other conversation, but there's a lot of important uh, degradation happening to that habitat, those forest habitats like logging and other things that are kind of hurting the the small little communities that, that live on those tourism dollars and things like that. So anyway, (laughs) so that the kids book that I mentioned um, is kind of produced in partnership with another nonprofit that's located in Mexico um, at one of those preserves. And their name is butterflies and their people. Mm. Um, And so they, they're doing amazing work um, working with those local communities that, you know, take, tourists up to view the butterflies every year they implemented this ranger program um, to pay local citizens to go and look out for people trying to destroy the forest Mm. and and things like that so i mean there's just so many people thinking about this one species Mm -hmm. um you know from canada to the u.s to mexico so there's a lot of collaborative efforts to to help with that I am very intrigued with the story of butterflies and how they travel to Mexico and it's yeah. like a every other generation kind of, if I remember right, like it's, it's a pretty it's, interesting. Yeah. The, uh, the, fifth, the fifth or so generation is the one that okay. travels, migrates 2000 miles or so down to Mexico. Wow. wow. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, that's, that's kind of what, like if there's a thing that that really got me into monarchs specifically, it was just the magic of their migration. Mm-hmm. Um, this like intergenerational communication that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so generation one through four just live about a month and have you know reproduce and die and and that's about it. And then come the fifth generation, they they just somehow know that they are the generation that needs to turn turn around and go back south and go all the way to the same exact forest in Mexico where their great 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 grandparents <laughs> right, were right <laughs> and it happens every year without fail wow. um and i am so amazed by it <laughs> yeah that's very very interesting yeah 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 
Well, how about you? You mentioned briefly that, you know, this whole thing started because you saw this bike ride called Ragbri that you joined in. But do you still bike now that you're back in Louisiana? Yeah, I, I, as often as I can, I, I go on that Mississippi River levee trail. Mm. Um, I live about two blocks from the river, and so I can easily hop on that trail and ride 20 miles or so up, up river um, from New Orleans to Baton Rouge. Nice. And it's just beautiful. And uh, there's a really cool ride that go. it's called From Nola to Angola, which is the name of a prison here. Yep. And um so they ride maybe 60 or more miles, and it's sort of all in the name of um, supporting the families of incar- incarcerated folks. Oh, okay. um, so they raise money along the way. And I mean, I guess maybe there's a theme of like, I like to ride, you know, not just for myself. Sure, um, sure. You know, I, I like to do sort of combine missions. <laughs> So, you know, rides like that really intrigued me, mm-hmm. um, riding for, for my own physical and mental wellness. And if I can, you know, help out some other cause, that's a great double win. Yeah. Full circle back, Milkweed Matters is definitely a, a great organization that you founded, but also just helps so many different entities as far as the butterfly and pollinators in general. Yeah. Um, I really hope so. Yeah. yeah. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing your story. And I think everyone listening is hopeful that we'll get back to group rides and maybe see your group out on a ride someday soon. Definitely. Looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Well, listeners, that's it for this week. A big thanks to Kelly for taking the time to talk about Milkweed Matters, Monarchs, and the connection with cyclists. The children's book she mentioned is called Saving the Monarchs by Nancy Scott and Nancy Cruz, and you can find more information about them on their Facebook page called Monarch Habitat Initiative. Milkweedmatters.org also contains a lot of good information about milkweed, about monarchs, as well as other pollinators. You can find other interviews with cyclists on the Morphology Podcast through any of your podcast platforms or go to morphologypodcast.com. For now, I leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of Morphology. This quote comes from Maya Angelou. We delight in the beauty of the butterfly, but rarely admit the changes it has gone through to achieve that beauty. Think about it. Thanks again for listening. Let us know what you think of the show by leaving a rating and a review. They really help us out a lot and help others find the show. For more information, check out justgobike.net. The show's theme song was written, produced, and performed by Ryan Steer. Brian Powers is the show's producer, and the Just Go Bike podcast is brought to you by the Des Moines Register, a part of the USA Today Network.